Hey team, I want you to meet Anthony Murphy, founder of Product Pathways and director of the Association of Product Professionals. But first, here's what Andrew Miller said about Anthony. Anthony Murphy, um, super knowledgeable product leader and coach. Um, I've had lots of chats with Anthony about product and about process, and I know he'd have a lot to share on GoToMarket. Anthony, what are three ways your team converts your market into revenue? Yeah, so I mean, I really... Good question. An interesting one for me. I mean, as a product coach, I don't work with a single team. I work with multiple clients, multiple companies and product teams all over the world. But um, I guess one of the benefits of that is I get to see interesting challenges. But if I think about some of the clients I have right now, um, probably what I'm most interested in is I'm working with what I would deem as a Horizon 3 product. Um, essentially, you know, the horizon model, horizon one, near term, mid term, kind of far term. Uh, they're essentially shaping the future, doing some really cool um, market leading AI 3D kind of rendering technology. But a core market for that doesn't exist today. So, how do you convert that into revenue? That's like a whole nother challenge. And I've been, I guess, spending the last 12 months doing, doing that. Uh, and part of it is, well, what does the future look like? What do, how do we predict the future? So we've been spending a lot of time doing modeling on previous trends, like the rise of chat, um, as opposed to calling people up and all these other trends and, and essentially using them as predictive models to try and predict the future. And that's kind of one way we, we've been, I guess, predicting the future in order to create a market, in order to create revenue. The next one is strategic discovery. Like we need to have confidence in all those things. Like they're just models, doesn't mean that, that's exactly what the future is going to hold. Uh, we need to be able to validate some of that, gain confidence in it, and really calculate, I guess, the value of whether that's something that's worthwhile doing. And then probably the last one is that we spend a lot of time naturally seeking out early adopters and innovators. And they're, they're really our core market today. If you think about the diffusion of innovators, they're going to be our core market today. Um, and then one day that will become... <laughs> an everyday thing that everyone's using and and then we'll really kind of crack into that but that's um one of the things we really focus on that's a real hard thing to how do you especially it's a b2b product so how do you work out b2b innovators it's it's um it's a unique challenge but yeah that's definitely where our, our revenue is coming from today what are three hard problems that you recently overcame? Yeah, so again, working with lots of clients, I mean, I see some common challenges. I spend a, a lot of my time working with startups or product managers and startups and, and a lot of scaling companies. And I think the biggest challenge um, like that company's dealing with right now, as well as another client of mine, is balancing like short-term revenue or that stability of revenue versus long-term vision and, and gain. I mean, if you use that client as an example, uh, their market, their future doesn't exist today. So it's hard to make revenue off something that doesn't exist, but you need to make some revenue. You can't be completely investment funded, um, that's not going to work out long-term. Um, yeah, you need revenue. So, But there's a danger of, I guess, starting to fall into this trap of, building something for today and missing out on that future and not being ready for that future when it comes. So that's a huge kind of challenge. And I mean, I've been overcoming it in some of those ways that I've kind of mentioned before. Uh, modeling the future was probably the other challenge. That's a really interesting one. Uh, we really kind of overcame that by looking at previous trends and um, building a few models around that, but a super unique challenge. Haven't had to do that before. So it was, um, it was, it was good. Uh, and then probably the last one is, um, is for one of my clients was that a really big retention issue just um 
classic Lincoln funnel. Like every, you got plenty, plenty of leads coming in, but um, not everyone stays staying in there. So I spent a lot of time with them reshaping their product strategy, just understand those gaps and balancing that. And um, yeah, that was a that was a good good challenge to do. What are three roadblocks that you're working on now? Yeah, I mean, so I'm working with a VP of product at the moment um, at a growing startup and. Probably the biggest roadblock we have right now is just talent and hiring people. Uh, they're growing, so <laughs> got to grow, got to grow with it, get more people. Uh, but the market's super competitive, and I think most people and most product leaders or people in product and tech notice. Um, salaries are through the roof, hard people are hard to come by, um, negotiating huge challenge, especially when you're a small company and you can't really pay, you know, Microsoft or Facebook salaries. Uh, yeah, it's, it's super competitive. So that's probably one of the biggest roadblocks I'm working with with um, them on at the moment. Uh, the next one would be, and I've got this across, again, this is a real startup scale-up kind of problem, um, technical architecture and debt. And so it's really common for companies, the way we start um, in startups, we will build this, we just hack it together, basically. Uh, we Often our architecture, technically from a technical product point of view, often is monolithic. Like we don't think too much about the future because it doesn't matter. We might not have a company in six, 12 months time, so it doesn't matter. But then comes a point in time where you start to get, you know, product market fit, you start to scale, you start to grow. And then all of that depth and architecture starts to hinder you since essentially becomes a bit like chains, right? And just trying to become a big roadblock because then you want to grow as quickly as possible, but suddenly you're constrained by your, your architecture, your tech depth to grow that quickly. So you then start to balance all these big bets that you want to do and these cool new features and functionality to grow the company against the fact that, hey, we don't actually have a scalable platform and yeah, how do we, how do we overcome that? Uh, last roadblock that I think I've, what I'm dealing with right now with, with clients in, in the same kind of space, you know, startup and stuff, it's just capacity. It's always a million things you want to do. Um, and when you're, you know, a 200 person scale up as one client or even a small, like 15 person startup as I'm working with a PM in, in that space too, it's, you know, you only have so much you can do because you've got so many people. Um, yeah. What are three mental models that you use to do your best work? I really like this question actually. And it made me think because um, I use a lot of mental models. I think I have an overarching mental model that is all models are like both correct and incorrect at the same time. And what I mean by that is I think they're all about 80% correct, uh, but there's obviously always an exception. So I think there's, it's a really good one to keep in mind because you just you can't take anything as 100%, you know, apply it to everything. It's not going to work. You need to kind of use different models and apply it. Um, some models that I've been using recently is kind of where my headspace then went to. Um, BJ Fogg's behavioral model, I love that. Um, just talks about, you know, motivation versus um, essentially behavioral change or habit change, and and which is highly applicable in the product space. When especially when we think about shipping new features or even new products, uh, how do you get people to change their behavior? How much motivation is needed? How easy? How hard is it? I think it's a fantastic model for that. Um, classic flywheel model been doing a lot of work around product strategy and stuff. So um, definitely that's been in my head. And Woodley mapping has been as well. Um, if those aren't 
familiar with it, I think look it up. Um, super big and complex for me to explain it, but it's been super useful with the Horizon 3 product and that client just because it's a really good way to map out things that are, you know, early innovations versus later in their life cycle when products become commodities and stuff. So it was just a really good way to map out the market, do some modeling, think about where do we want to target, how do we want to position ourselves and, and, and all that. So, yeah. What are three techniques that other GTM teams need to try? Uh, yeah, I think uh, the first one for me is to launch early. And I know that sounds so simple, but it's like, no, launch like super early. Like before you, even before you have a product. I mean, I've done that several times now. Put something up there, pre-sales or even just a pitch on it and see what type of like A-B test it, start to what type of traffic are you getting from it? Um, I worked with someone who said like sell the vision first and then build it, build it next. Uh, and I thought that's a really good way to, to frame that is if you, cause if you can't sell the vision, even when you build it, you're going to have a big problem, right? Like, so uh, it's just, I think shipping super early. Yeah. Even, even when it's a concept, I think even um, next one would be the West drop price sensitivity test. I don't see people do this enough. Um, just a really good, uh, test is a good thing to put into your discovery uh, think about especially if you're launching a new product or changing a price point or those types of things just see where that price point sits and how it resonates with and actually have some discovery I guess or some research that backs up the price that you're setting for your product I think that's important and then the last one would just be setting goals like I want to say setting goals again another one that probably seems oversimplified but what I like to do when I launch new products or new things is I basically go what if if this is to be successful, what needs to be true at the end of the first week? What needs to be true at the end of the first month? 60 days, 90 days. And essentially, I'm trying to measure success. Uh, and you're looking for signals like, are, are we going in the right direction? Is this successful? If not, then we can pivot and we can do it at different intervals, right? What are three questions you love to ask and why? It depends on the context. But if I think about... Uh, I got some of my favorite questions uh, for like asking users, like when I look at a market research and stuff, some of my favorite questions are things like, well, um, have you tried to solve it or how are you trying to solve it currently or how have you solved it in the past? Essentially, you're looking for patterns of, um, yeah, I'm building this big spreadsheet to try and solve this problem. You're like, oh, cool. Tell me more about that. Um, probably another question I love to say, tell me more about that. Uh, I do that with my team as well and, and other people that I coach. I think it's just a great way to dive into things and get people to talk more. Um, and maybe the last question that I'll, I'll throw in there won't be a question. Um, something that I, I like doing and it works really well as a technique and you can do it in anything, um, market research and customer interviews is to pause and just have silence. Uh, you, if you, you create an uncomfortable silence, nobody likes it. You want to fill the space, but just hold the space. And sometimes the best question is no question. And then the person will start talking and they'll start talking about something super interesting, super relevant. Um, yeah, I like doing that. <laughs> Good technique. Who are three operators that should be our next guests and why? Yeah, uh, three people came to mind pretty pretty easily, actually. Uh, some, I work with some awesome people and know some really good product leaders. Uh, first one would be Adrian Tan. She's a, the founder of BrainMates. She's also on the board of the Association of Product Professionals, which um, I'm also a director of, which is something doing my part-time, but all around an amazing product person. She's always got a heap of wisdom and uh, I think she'll be, she'll be, great and she's always good to talk about these things and always up for it as well um 
Erin Suki uh, was somebody who came to mind next as well. She's a senior product consultant at a product consultancy called Product Rocket. Um, I think she's just an awesome product leader. She's got some really good go-to-market experience as well. She's launched some really complex B2B products in large enterprises. Um, yeah, I just think she would have some interesting things to say around that. Um, and um, Bruce Koshner um, is a fellow product coach. She's in Switzerland, actually. Um, so I was trying to get some geographical diversity there as well. But she's a fellow product coach, and uh, I think she's got a wealth of knowledge. I always love talking with her. I learn so much when I talk with her every time. So, um, yeah, she, she came to mind as well. Thanks, Anthony. What should people who love what you're saying go do next? Thank you so much for having me. You can find me on LinkedIn, socials, Twitter as well. Um, I've got my website, antmurphy.me. I'm launching a basically an e-learning platform that breaks down topics um, called Product Pathways, so productpathways.com. I'm in the middle of building that. Uh, a good example of launching early, I've, I've pre-launched it, even though I'm still building a lot of a lot of it out. But you can go there, um, sign up, get updates. But essentially, that's going to be module and learning um, things. And, and also, Association of Product Professionals, if you're interested in that, go to productprofessionals.com. Um, have a look there as well. Hey team, what did you think about this? I think you need to put Anthony Murphy on your go-to-market radar. So I'm checking out productpathways.com. There's courses like building high-performing product teams or advanced prioritization frameworks or backlog management techniques, really specific product courses. Go check it out at productpathways.com. Oh, by the way, have we met yet? I'm Chris Morgan, host of the Market to Revenue podcast. Shoot me an email right now about what you thought about this episode. It's chris at markettorevenue.com. Talk to you in a moment.